Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to College Football Roundtable. Today, we've got a very special guest, Chris Vanini from The Athletic. Uh, but for right now, I am your host, Daniel E. Cabeza, editor here at As For Football. And as always, I am coming to you out of coastal Connecticut. I'm joined by Jordan in Atlanta, Georgia, by Rob in Vietnam, uh, North Carolina, and by James from Brigade Review out of Texas. Guys, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. Living awesome, the dream. Man. James? I'm doing well, Dan. I'm uh, I'm here to tell you uh, that this top 25 coming at you fast. Texas is ranked way too high. We'll get to that. And I'm telling you that from inside the system here in, in uh, Corpus Christi. All right. Well, there's a, there's a little tease for you. As always, this show is brought to you by Emblem Athletic. Guys, Emblem is the source for all of your custom sporting goods needs. Let them trick out your unit today, whether that unit is military, police, fire, or just your flag football team. We're coming out of lockdown. It's over here in Connecticut. That means it's over everywhere. It sucked, but now, guys, girls, everyone, it is time to get back out there. Your unit needs new shirts. Your team needs new shirts. Everybody, you need new shirts, new jerseys. Get out there, get in the gym, compete, whatever. Emblem can help you. They have great stuff with great quality, and their website makes it super easy. You just go on there, answer a quick questionnaire, and their artists lead you through the rest of the process. Look good, play good, feel good. Emblem Athletic can help. Be a gear hero for your unit or team today. Visit emblemathletic.com. So with that, James, why don't you take us through the top 25 post-spring football edition as it comes from the sporting news? You got it, Dan. So Sporting News this very morning uh, released their top 25. Uh, it's supposed to be post-spring camp. So, uh, you know, once we've had the quarterback battles to an extent, once we've gotten a good look at these uh, players, we sort of know now who's coming back, given that everyone now has an extra year of eligibility. So this is the first time we have a real good look at what the, uh, the late August, early September roster is going to look like. Given that, Sporting News came out with their top 25, and here it is. Coming in at number one, uh, very little dispute, Alabama Crimson Tide defending national champions at 13-0 last year. Coming to number two, Clemson Tigers, 10-2 team last year for your first ACC team. Number three, I know it's going to be a little high for some of the boys here, <laughs> Ohio State as the first Big Ten team. Number four, uh, Jordan Boomer. Oklahoma, the Big 12 team from 9-2 and two last year, uh, trying to win, I think, their sixth or seventh now Big 12 title uh, in a row. Georgia Bulldogs, the first, or excuse me, the second SEC team, SEC with a first with two teams in. Then Notre Dame at number six, the Fighting Irish claim a top 10 spot. Texas A&M Aggies and Florida Gators are the third and fourth SEC team in the top 10, followed by the Big 12's own Iowa State Cyclones. To round out the top 10, we have the American Cincinnati Bearcats uh, coming off a 9-1 and season. Back to the SEC, we got the Tigers in Louisiana State as the fifth SEC team 
And then you have your first Pac-12 team, ironically, at number 12, the USC Trojans coming off a 5-1 and one campaign. A way too high-ranked Texas at 13 <laughs> out of the Big 12. They're back. Um, they're back. They're, they're always back, but they're never back. I, I don't quite understand it. Uh, Mac Brown's Tar Heels out of North Carolina come in as your second and only second ACC team at number 14. The Hoosiers from Indiana from the Big Ten is your second Big Ten team. And then the second Big 12 team, the Oregon Ducks coming in at number 16. Overrated. Back to to Oklahoma. (laughs) The Cowboys of Oklahoma State coming in at 17, followed by the Iowa Hawkeyes out of the Big Ten at 18. Heading back to the East Coast, the ACC, the Miami Hurricanes at 19. Followed by the Badgers (laughs) out of Wisconsin in the Big Ten. To round out your top 25 with the final five, 21, the Ole Miss Rebels, Hottie Toddy, the Tigers of Auburn, the third Tigers in the mix at 22, the Chanticleers. I don't know what that means, but it's the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina coming <laughs> off an 11-1 campaign at number 23 and number 24, the Black Knights of the Hudson, your Army Cadets coming in in the top 25. Hot take maybe, but I'm happy about uh, it. I, number- I think that's kind of hot. Personally, we'll talk about that in a minute. And then to round out the top 25 at number 25, the Pennsylvania State Nittany Lions out of the Big Ten coming off a four and five campaign. Gentlemen, what do we think? Uh, Rob, why don't we start with you? All right. So I want to dive in. I think uh, that the keys that are overrated for me, Notre Dame, Oregon, as always, because they always drop one towards the end of the year. And then, you know, still trying to figure out this whole Notre Dame thing. Like they jumped because they couldn't find a schedule to the ACC and then, you know, bowl game and all that other stuff. It's like, it's kind of confusing. Not a big fan of ND and uh, they definitely don't need to be in the top 10. I think that's a bit much, but conference champion, I guess you can put them in there. I don't know. As the, as the Northeast kids, Dan, you and I have like a, a, a responsibility to root for Notre Dame to a certain extent. I, I do. Um, that's not correct. No, <laughs> I, you can't I, I do. Me. So I'm going to blindly root for Notre Dame. Uh, and I completely understand why they don't want to be in the ACC. Totally get it. Um, and I totally understand why the ACC teams, while none of their fans want to play Notre Dame, uh, schedule or agree to put Notre Dame on the schedule every other year. Um, so I'm going to blindly root for them. I don't care what anyone says. And I'm glad they're in the top 10. Jordan? Yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and agree with Rob. You know, Notre Dame is absolutely overrated, overhyped. Uh, additionally, Ohio State uh, does not deserve to be top three. doesn't even deserve to be top 10, in my opinion, and neither does wow. the University of Florida. I mean, I don't understand. I, this is not based on their performance last year. This is going into this year. If you lose half your team, I don't understand how you know they're expecting you to be the number three team in the country or the, or the number, what was UF, eight? I mean, come on, no. Maybe a size eight shoe, but other than that, no. Um, what I want to know is where BYU and Liberty, you know, we had, you know, the, the media, the national sports media was hyping BYU up all season, could do no wrong. And now they're not even ranked top 25. That's interesting. Liberty had a great year, kick butt and, you know, no mention of them either. So, I mean, obviously this is pre, 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 preseason, and it's going to change every single week until the season starts. And, you know, two weeks in the rankings are going to look nothing like this, but 
Um, you know, once again, we're seeing the media pander to the bases of you know, these schools so they can get clicks and sell advertising. Well, yeah. So, so for those keeping score, the SEC had seven teams in this particular listing of top 25 teams. The Big Ten had five. The Big 12 had four. ACC had three. The Pac-12 had two. American had one. Sunbelt had one. And there were two independents. And if you just kind of look at where the money is in college football right now, it shakes out about along those lines. So, yeah, I, I agree that, you know, you a way to make a list like this is to say, which fan bases do I need to get talking about my article? OK, let me stick that in there. Um, I will also agree that as happy as I am to see Army in the top 25, I personally think Liberty is a more deserving team right now. Uh, as you said, they went 10 and one last year. They beat Coastal Carolina in the bowl game. Coastal Carolina is ranked in every single one of these lists. Liberty isn't ranked in any of them. They have 10 starters returning on both sides of the ball. That's 20 starters total. Basically, the whole team is back. That's insane. These They should definitely be ranked. And finally, James, since you asked, a Chana Clear is a rooster. I had to look that up. Yeah, awesome. Hey, Jordan, I got a question for you. Who outside of the top 10 on this list do you think deserves to start the season ahead of Notre Dame? Ahead of Notre Dame? Uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's in the top 10 for teams outside of the top 10. Okay. North Carolina. Okay. That, that is maybe the only one I would put ahead of Notre Dame on this list. Oklahoma state is a dark horse personally. Yeah. Oklahoma state's going to drop a game to Oklahoma. They're, they're going to have to play Tulsa. Tulsa's tough. They're going to have to play Texas Texas. Uh, they're going to have to play, uh, Iowa state. I don't see them finishing the season, in the top 10 at all. Look, James, James, here what I would do. I, I would drop Florida out of the top 10. I would move Texas A&M up, Iowa State up, Cincinnati up, North Carolina up, and I put Notre Dame at number ten. Right? They're still in the yeah, top okay, ten. Okay, that's fair. That, that, that's I, I, I just I'll, don't think they're I'll, the number six team in the country right now. That's my thought. That, that's that's fair. And then I got a I got a a, uh, a prediction for you. A top twenty five prediction. Week five, Army and Ball State are going to play a game. I, I, we can do a little fact of fiction. I don't know if we're doing that later, but is that going to be a ranked matchup? I think it will be, and that includes. Ball State playing Penn State week two or three, I think. All right. Well, we will see. Fact or fiction, Army-Ball State will be a ranked versus ranked matchup. Uh, personally, I don't know if I believe that, but it's. I guess that could happen. So with that, let's take you to the interview that we shot with Chris Vanini. It's very interesting. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, name, image, and likeness, and a little bit of time talking about the Pac-12 and whether or not they are a real conference. So check that out right now. So, as we mentioned earlier, we are joined today by Chris Vanini, National College Football Writer for The Athletic. Chris, I, I hope I pronounced your name right. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. As I told you uh, privately on Twitter, we wanted to talk to you a little bit today about national college football landscape and, and just about what it's like to be a national-level sports journalist. So, first things first, how's it going? Uh, things are going well, and you did pronounce my name right, so uh, congratulations on that, but uh, awesome. good to be here. Awesome. <laughs> good. That's good. Little victories. So uh, why don't we start first? Why don't you tell us a little bit about The Athletic? I'm sure everybody's heard it, but you know, you're on here. So plug your, your, uh, your, your job. Yeah. Um, it, it, for folks who aren't aware, The Athletic is a national uh, college football, I'm sorry, national sports publication. We cover basically every pro sports team and college football. We cover about 20 college teams specifically, but also na national college football, which is what I do. Uh, we cover European soccer, we cover MLB, NHL, NFL, NBA, pretty much everything. And it's a subscri subscription website. Uh, you can just go to theathletic.com, 
and find a good deal there. And we've been around for five years. I've been with the company for four uh, when we launched college football back at the time. I mostly cover group of five and national college football uh, in general as my job. So that's kind of my story. So I got to ask you, what do you think of college football? Once you get on the inside, it seems like a lot of sports writers get, you know, a little cynical about it. Uh, college football seems like it's easier than most to get cynical about. Like, where's your head at today in terms of uh, American college football? I, I I love it. I mean, I love covering college football more than other other sports because of the uniqueness of it and the unique passion of it. Typically, with pro sports, you kind of pick your team. You grew up there or you didn't grow up there. You liked a player or something. And that's kind of how the fandom starts with college. Not everybody, but a, a large number of fans went to the school. There's a natural connection with the team through that. You've got 130 plus FBS teams, not to mention the hundreds of lower division teams. So it kind of feels like English soccer in that sense. And that every town has a team, every college has a team. And Maybe they're not your favorite team, but you like them. And there's just a natural way everybody's tied together. And the and the fandom is different. Marching bands, you know, yeah. the, the, the youthfulness of it. I Going to an NFL game sometimes is not all that fun because you've got a <laughs> lot of adults who are really lathered up and drunk and basically there to cause a ruckus. College, you like you'll get that with college kids, but like it's a lot of it's more in fun and it's not as angry, I think. So I've mm. I. I, I like it. I like it a lot more than pro sports. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. All of us on this uh, podcast are army football fans. This show though is about general college football. So it's, you know, we know that we have kind of a very specific view on it and just like the, the larger landscape of college football and just college in general, I think is, is one that we, we struggle with sometimes. So uh, thank you for that. Um, so a lot of changes obviously going on right now in college football and just across the landscape. Uh, I'll give you four transfer transfer portal and uh, you know people talking about tampering now, name and likeness. You know players about to get paid for their own name and likeness. You've got streaming in in general, and I don't know what that's going to be, but uh, college sports is like the only reason practically to have a cable subscription anymore. And just just in general, it seems like every every school in America wants to be an FBS Division One college football team, uh, whether that makes sense or not. Uh, so just one over the world, what is the biggest change coming to college football right now? One of those, or did I miss something? The biggest change is the name, image, and likeness uh, idea. There are five or six states that have passed it and are going to go into effect on July 1st, but the NCAA is hoping for a national federal law to kind of get everybody under the same roof at some point. But players are finally going to be able to earn money for their name, for their likeness, you know, for, for a long time, you know, college players could never do anything like that. Like you can't do sponsorships or stuff like that. And the idea was, amateurism and all this stuff. But I think, you know, you talk about being cynical over the last 10 to 20 years, the money in college football has exploded. Yeah. You know, we didn't have, we didn't have a $1 million assistant coach until 2007. Now we've got like 20 or 30, the, the money has just become so big, so fast. And it's going to everybody, but the players that eventually the dam was going to break. And I think this is the way it's going to happen. And it's happening clumsily because that's the way everything works with the NCAA. 
But overall, I think it's a net positive that a lot of these kids who make millions and millions now for these schools will be able to be able to get a piece of their own pie. You know, it was always a case that you could be a music student or a theater student and go do something and make money off of it. Or if you're a regular student and you have a YouTube channel, you can make money off of it. But if you were a, a college athlete, you couldn't. Yeah, it, it, it got kind of ridiculous in the end. And I think now we're, we're seeing that it's going to be again, it's going to be really kind of chaotic these next couple of months as different states have different laws. But overall, it'll be a net positive. I got to say, I always felt for Johnny Manziel because here's a guy whose name, image and likeness as a college player who was worth exponentially more than it has been as a pro player. And, you know, his time to really capitalize sort of came and went illegally. And, you know, the guy got busted for selling eight by 10 glossies at a convention. Like that's, that to me was, yeah. was a tough look. So um, do you think players should be paid beyond that? Like, are they employees of the school? Things get tough when you get to that, because that's when title nine gets involved. That's when you talk about equal opportunities have yeah. to be made for men, uh, male and female athletes. Name image likeness is not is money not coming from the school. It's coming from the outside. So there, that doesn't have to fall under title nine. Uh, what, should they be employees? Should they get certain benefits? That's a tough call because that that's when it becomes, all right, money is flowing in different directions. And that that's a whole thing to figure out what the, what college sports will finally have now will essentially be the Olympic model where mm. they don't get necessarily get paid by the United States to compete, but they can make money elsewhere doing these different things and, and are able to profit on their success. So it, it feels like a natural middle ground that probably should have been around a long time ago. Nice. Jordan, Rob, either you got, got something you want to ask? I always look at the players getting paid as a catch 22, you know, it, particularly because it's going to be, as like you said, it's going to be a ham fisted rollout. And so it's going to be difficult to kind of determine, you know, what's what with as far as the pay for likeness and everything. But the other part of it is the unintended consequences. So you're going to have this young 18 to 22 year old uh, cat playing a sport in college that they're going to get paid for. But what if your jersey doesn't sell? What if you're not a popular player and it jeopardizes your draft status? I don't think that that's a thought process that's put into this. It might be, but uh, that's one of the concerns that I have is because, you know, start getting into that junior year, they start seeing that next horizon. And I think, you know, name and likeness may have some impacts on their draft status in the future. Maybe not this year, but in the next three to five years as we solidify this whole thing. Do, do, you, do you mean like they wouldn't, play as hard or what do you mean the draft status what, I, what i'm saying is say for example is if you're an offensive lineman unsung hero of the team your jersey is not going to sell regardless of right. how great a player you are versus a skill position player that's trying to score touchdowns yeah and and you've seen it go in the opposite direction as well as you know players get caught for you know not often it's earlier in the late 90s probably is probably the last that I can remember of like point shaving or some other type of, you know, goofball weirdo thing that's going to appear because these players are now uh, collecting money. Yeah. I, I think, I think the best way to look at it is that for a lot of these guys, this is being in college and being a college football player is the most famous they will ever mm -hmm. be. It's, it's the most, it's the most valuable their likeness will ever be because most of them are not going to make the NFL. Most of them are not going to uh, have any, have much of a career after that. So while they have this four year window where they are bringing in a lot of money, they should be able to at least make some off of that. And, and we talk about football here, but honestly, the big winners, I think of name image likeness are going to be women's basketball players and volleyball players 
and a lot of female athletes who have huge social media followings on places like Instagram. And they're going to be able to sell an ad for some fancy water or something like that on their account <laughs> there. And it like, there was a, there was a, during the NCAA tournament, might've been, might've been the final four of the sweet 16. Someone had put together the like 10 most followed college athletes in, in men's and women's basketball. And half of them are women's basketball players. There, wow. there is going to, there is going to be a lot of opportunities for them to make maybe not a hundred thousand dollars, like maybe a top football star would, but I think per person, I think you might see even more opportunities for uh, female athletes in, in, in those kinds of routes. So Chris, this is Jordan. Real quick question. You know, every year we see in college football kids who, you know, forego their senior season because they want to go to the league and they want to start making money. And, and I get that it's a business decision, but for some people, not everyone, but for some people, do you think the ability to continue making money in college will not necessarily incentivize them to stay and play their senior season, but will that be enough of an incentive for them maybe not to jump to the NFL right away? It could. I mean, if you're a first round pick, probably not, obviously, but but there are a lot of kids, you know, I'm, I'm sure we all know plenty of kids who come from a really poor background. And as soon as they're eligible, they're borderline to get drafted, but just the opportunity to go out and, and sign an undrafted free agent contract and get a little bit of a signing bonus, but you know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars is a huge amount of money to his family. And so he, he needs to do that. So it's certainly possible that, that say a player uh, could, could make, you know, maybe not a hundred thousand dollars, but make at least some money off of his name uh, while in college. And maybe he doesn't need to take that risk. Maybe he can stay that extra year and get that degree because he doesn't need to uh, jump at the first opportunity to make money because there actually is some coming in. So, yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, last question, Chris, and then we'll let you go completely different direction. The PAC 12 just hired a new commissioner, George Kliakoff. I hope I said that right. Probably. I think, didn't. I think you did. It's, it's difficult, but I think you got it right. So he is an entertainment and events expert, former head of MGM Sports, cable TV guy, chief digital officer. Is this enough to make the Pac-12 relevant and get them back to the college football playoff? I mean, they got to get more on TV, right? That's the problem. I, it, it's a. At first, I think a lot of people weren't sure. But then when he had his introduction press conference, people figured out he understands what the biggest problems are in the league. They need to make more money from TV. He's yep. a guy who helped create Hulu, so he gets a lot of this stuff. And the other part was he is in favor of college football expansion, playoff expansion. And yeah. the Pac-12 needs that. The Pac-12 has missed it, I think, four years in a row now. Um, no league would benefit more from having a guaranteed spot in expansion than the Pac-12. So he realizes that. He, he understands football and men's basketball are what really drive everything. They're not, they're not everything, but it's what drives the revenue. And the Pac-12 is so far behind a lot of the other leagues in that revenue that, that he seems to he get it. He, he identified the problems. Will he yeah, be able yeah. to solve them? I, I don't know, but I think a lot of people felt Larry Scott, the former commissioner was a bit, you know, a bit aloof, you know, he gave himself huge contract extensions and in, in, <laughs> in, in, in a salary and they had expensive headquarters, you know, I think in, in San Francisco or something like that. So he, it seems like this guy understands what the problems are. And he will at least know where to go in terms of how to try to fix it. So I think it was a, I think it may end up being a really good hire for them. Awesome. 
Well, Chris, thank you very, very much for your time. Let me give you one more opportunity to plug your work wherever and however that may be, and uh, then we'll let you go. Yeah, just uh, theathletic.com. If you go to the college football page, we got a lot going on there. Even now, kind of in the dead of the offseason, we got a, a ton of stuff going on. Uh, so just check out theathletic.com. You can get a subscription for pretty cheap uh, on there, and we cover pretty much every team that you like. We probably have someone covering them, so I hope you uh, check us out. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I was going to say I did some fast finger clicking during the break to find out like which schools actually solidified their uh, name and likeness rights, right? And what it does is it puts uh, everybody else at a disadvantage, and these guys are already advantaged for recruiting just based off of where they are. You got Georgia, SEC, New Mexico, uh, not so much, Alabama, uh, Mississippi, and Texas all have name, likeness, and image rights on the books. Like when this initially started, it was uh, Northwestern and the entire state of California that was looking at this. And then, of course, the SEC kind of was lead turn on it as per SOP to beat everybody in recruiting. So you're going to have a whole bunch of skill players leaving California as always, but even in greater numbers to go to, you know, these certified states that actually have laws on the books to pay the players for their name, image, and likeness. So my man, George Kliakoff, he needs to get on it right, like immediately, or he's going to lose his entire Pac-12. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, now, you know, from a streaming services background that he has, I think that's going to be good because I cut the cord a few years ago. And so I have never missed an Army football game in the last five years. But, you know, sometimes you got to do some searching around or take a uh, or take a preview for a week or so to get the game. But you can usually catch uh, Army football. I think the last time I had to do something crazy to catch uh, an Army game was when they played UTSA a couple of years ago. So that was the only kind of crazy thing. But as far as the name, image, and likeness, if if these teams do not step their game up quickly, you're going to lose. And the SEC is already one of the most powerful conferences in college football, like it or love it. You know, if you start losing skill players because they can get paid going to, you know, UGA or Bama, God forbid, you're, digging, <laughs> you know, you're digging yourself out of a hole even deeper. And a little update for you, Rob. I believe yesterday Florida just signed their law, so they are now in on the uh, in on the group of states. Oh, you got yeah, some... my my boy Ronnie D hooking everybody up. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> at, at, go ahead, Jordan. I, I was going to say, you know, it, so it, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just you know getting what was under the table out from under, right? I mean, yeah. Alabama, Texas, Florida these they were already paying these guys under the table, no. I mean, no. so was Tennessee in McDonald's bags, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, now they're now that, you know, at UCF, you know, a few years ago, there was a guy who had a, a YouTube channel. He was the kicker on the team. He was like the backup kicker YouTube channel. And the NCAA told, and he used the YouTube channel to make money. He gave that back to his yeah. family. They told him you can either quit football or quit your YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, I, you know, personally, I don't think that athletes should get a salary to go play at a school because it's going to create a massive disparity because, you know, donors at big schools are just going to pump more money in. They're going to be able to pay the athletes more like Chris talked about title line, all that kind of stuff. You're getting a free education. So in my mind, allowing an athlete to make, you know, 10 cents on the dollar on, on a Jersey sale from the university. Okay. What the heck, you know, booster wants to take somebody out to dinner. Great. You know, the 
like, you know, like Chris talked about, you want to push an ad on X, Y, and Z. Sure. I mean, it's Trevor Lawrence, as soon as he graduated and declared for the draft, I saw him on Instagram selling suits and he got married in a tux that was given to him by this company yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden go for it. Oh, good That's for him, great. Right? I, good for them. I have nothing wrong against that. And like I talked, like I, I asked Chris, I, I think it, it will hopefully incentivize people to maybe stay another year and continue to build that brand. But I think, Rob, it was your point. Does this now factor into who the NFL is going to select? Because right now, the, the NFL is a business like anything. And right now, they have to place an arbitrary dollar amount on these athletes and what they're going to bring to the franchise. And so if they look at a skill player and he brings in X number of dollars revenue and it's projected to be X if he signs with XYZ franchise, is that going to weigh in the decision versus an offensive lineman who might make more difference on the field? I don't know. That's not really for us to decide. I think it's going to add an additional wrinkle in sports and it's going to be something for them to talk about on sports center and, you know, ESPN will hire four more people to analyze it and whatever. <laughs> but at the end of the day, yes, I am glad that athletes can get money by selling crap on Instagram. Good for them. Here, here's how I would do it. I would get rid of all the name image likeness stuff. And I'd say that boosters are allowed to make offers to high school players and that those oh, offers man. are, are payable upon graduation from the institution for whatever, uh, whether it's a bachelor's degree or a graduate degree. So you're going to come here and you're going to play for a college. If you graduate from the college and fulfill the purpose of being a student athlete, you'll get paid for it. But until then, it's still an amateur athlete. Oh man! And James, then you know, coming, and at that point, you're not going to play for the school. You're going to play for an oil syndicate and and the Russian mafia. Like no, yeah. so, <laughs> so no. So, so first of all, it encourages players to stay the full four years. Second of all, it gets rid of this whole well, the NFL isn't going to this whole draft stock thing completely goes away because it's no longer an issue. So you have a you have players who ha have to decide instead of well, do I leave early or do I stay an extra year to increase my draft stock? Or am I going to wait and get the $50,000 I was promised? Or am I going to, you know, it's a much better option for these players. All right. All right. We're Obviously, we're not going to solve this today. Uh, Rob, why don't you give us a final word on this topic? All right. So the final word that I have to say is Major Applewhite. So if you guys remember him from the <laughs> UT, right, that guy would have cleaned house when he was a player if the name, image, and likeness rights would have been in place back then at Texas because he was like the most popular player. If you watch the University of Texas game, anytime things went sad or went sideways, this dude got called in or he was a you know, that guy was just a super, super popular cat. Right. And so I think there's some benefit to that. I think as long as there's some financial planning that goes into it. So these kids understand, cause we don't want broke to happen at 22 yeah. when it was happening yeah, yeah. at 24, yeah. you know, all over it. And there's all these case studies that we know that these players are not going to be wise with their money. But when you look at somebody like a, a Vince Young, who had a tremendous, you know, college career and then kind of fizzled after a couple of years in the pros, I think that would give him a little bit more cushion. And then he could probably, you know, survive a little bit longer based off of his name, image, and likeness rights. For me personally, if uh, this causes another NCAA football game to come out and you're actually playing the player so we can use it, the name, image, and likeness so it's not left up to a bunch of hackers online <laughs> to build a good college football game. <laughs> Awesome. Well, folks, thank you very much for joining us uh, this week. That's all we've got. Let me just take a minute to plug our Army football show. We have tight ends coach 
Matt Drinkall on that will be out a week from today. He uh, he talks about everything, goes way in depth about Army and the offense and just everything you want to know. So please don't miss that. And also remember to visit emblemathletic.com. Get your custom athletic gear. Until next week, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for listening to the AskForFootball.com College Football Roundtable. Join the Ask for Football team for our next episode as we bring you more hot takes and college football analysis. We would like to thank our sponsor at Emblem Athletic. Be your own hero for your unit or team today. You can find us at AskForFootball.com and on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at AskForFootball.